what's up, everything? It's been an up and down week for the Blues, by which I mean we were really up and now we're really down. They started the week with two strong wins against tough opponents on the road, but have shrunk back to the mean with two losses. What can we glean from this week? A lot, actually. We'll talk about it ahead. Also, Gary Bettman insisted this week that he wasn't looking for a fight when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement. Well, Gary might not be looking for a fight, but we certainly are, so let's get started and let's go Blues. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, January 17th. The snow is melting, and so even though no water has fallen from the sky in over three days, the the streets and sidewalks are covered like it's a flood. Ian, how are you doing in the midst of Noah's return? <laughs> I'm very dry. <laughs> Super dry, in fact. Well, we're inside, so that's good. Mm. We're inside the fort. Of ignorance. <laughs> Can I tell you a fun story about the snow? Please do. So I shoveled our long driveway. It's a very long driveway. Yes, uh, you're familiar with the rich homes on McKnight. That's where you. Yeah, is. it's a very long driveway. The help couldn't show up that day because of the snow. <laughs> um, but in between our our duplex and the duplex next to ours, they both have like uh, orange shingles to them they're like kind of clay looking i don't there's i'm sure there's a real word for them but they're kind of like clay shingles on the side of the so they're all or like just no, on the roof on the roof okay sorry on the roof so and the roof is slanted in towards the side of the house mm-hmm. so after i shoveled all the snow out of this driveway as the snow has been melting it's been sliding off the side of the house and back into the driveway mm-hmm it's very annoying. That's not great. I have a two-wheel drive, front-wheel drive car, and sometimes it doesn't want to move in just a small pile of <laughs> snow, and I've had to dig myself out to uh-huh. go to work, and I've had to dig myself out in to, yeah, get to, get in, to just get in the garage. I work... I hate ha- snow. We have like a row of buildings where I work, and our neighbor had like a satellite dish on their roof. Had being the operative no term, and it was like on kind of like a sled almost, but like it was like a, a you know like a steel frame weighed down with cinder blocks, mm-hmm. kind of rednecky to begin <laughs> with. And we noticed while we were there on either Monday or Tuesday that as the snow was melting and falling off, so was this thing slowly sliding <laughs> towards the edge of the building. And so my boss called the guy whose whose building it was, and. By the time I got, like, I went out to do work, and then by the time I got back, it had fallen off and hit. I have a, a lovable hillbilly coworker who apparently <laughs> just owns a bucket truck, like a cherry picker. Yeah, which yeah. I don't get the country, man, and it doesn't get me, <laughs> but hey, he just owns one. And by the time I was back, he'd, like, brought it, but it had already fallen off and, like, hit the side of the bucket <laughs> truck. And they were just kind of staring, standing around staring at it, and I was trying to, like, unload and get out of there before I was asked to assist in any capacity. Could you get back on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> so that was what the snow did to my world. 
Um, yeah, so we're supposed to have more this weekend. Hooray! Mm. Not so great. Mm. Not well. The rivers will flood this winter, that summer, or this spring. That'll be fun. <laughs> that'll, that'll be helpful for people. Yes, and much like the rivers, the Blues had a flood of offensive success in the first half of this week. So good. <laughs> Thank you. I trained for years in podcast school to narrow down those, nail down those kinds of transitions. Uh, why don't we? start just by talking about the games. We're going to do this real quick this week because we've been getting bogged down in these game recaps and we're not going to do that no more. Start your timers. Yes. So when it's 50 minutes later and you're all like, what, they're still talking about Blues versus Stars? (laughs) We apologize. There's just a lot to say. Indeed. So the Blues game against the Stars opened up with... um, the uh, Vladimir Tarasenko's 13th goal of the season. That was cool to see. Uh, it was a nice kind of classic stutter step goal. And you're like, hey, things are going right for the Blues. And then Pat Maroon <laughs> scores a goal nine minutes later. And he's assisted by Sunquist, the god, and Robert Bortuzzo, the not quite so the god. Uh, the popper. Uh, it was nice, and it was really nice to see the, like, pure joy come over Maroon's face. Because, mm-hmm. hey, you know, he's scoring for his hometown team, and he's breaking goalless droughts, and good for him. Uh, also, I learned that Valery Nachushkin does not have a goal so far this season. And the weird thing, v- Valery Nachushkin will always be the player for me who, like, at some point, for some reason, I thought he was, like... A star player, not just like an okay player, but there was a point where I was like, oh, Valery Nachushkin, you mean like the third player in the trio of Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Valery Nachushkin. You must have got me on that train because uh, I also felt like that. Yeah, I don't know when, I think it came from like, maybe did he have like a really good series against us in the playoffs that one year or something? He's a big guy. I remember he kind of fit in with Ben in that. Regard. And I remember talking about him, too, when he went over to the KHL, like, oh, that's a huge loss. I don't know how they're going to fill that. And he's never been especially good. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I think he's like a 20, 30 point per season yeah. player at the top. You hit it right on the head. In 2013-14, his rookie year, he played 79 games and had 34 points, 14 goals and 20 assists. So, like, that's pretty good rookie season. Then uh, Dallas, year after that. I guess he was injured, only eight games, so one point, which is just kind of sad. And then that's what derailed him. Yeah, because then the next year, uh, 79 games again in 15-16, only 29 points, and then he he bolted. Can you look up the playoff stats from that year to see if it was like something in the playoffs where I was like, oh, he's great. Let's see. Uh... Yeah, I guess maybe. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Nothing. I looked at Bagel. it first, and no. Uh, do you do the games. thing I do where it's like, oh, you read penalty minutes as points? And <laughs> I, read like, games, I read games played as points. I was like, ah, not so bad. <laughs> ten, ten points in 15-16. No, ten games, one point. <laughs> so Minus I, two. So I just made it up out of Hulk. I mean, That's some, good to know. Sometimes it happens. I, I guess so, yeah. I think they kind of talked about him like he was supposed to be very good. Uh-huh. Maybe not that good, but enough that it was like, a hyped up player, yeah, for sure. Must have been. What anyway? Yet to record a goal in his return season, and they're looking to possibly trade him. Uh, so after the first period, I thought these were some of my thoughts. First of all, what a weirdly, what just like 
what is going on with Oscar Sunquist? Who is he? What's happening? What's become of him? He's amazing. I think... We talked about it a little last week, but it's like he's a very serviceable... Mm. Not even just serviceable. He's a good third liner now. And that's like the weirdest thing. It's the, like the anti Nichirsh. <laughs> yeah, he was among the pay RVs. Oh, the yeah. He was, I yeah. thought exactly about him. I No, I was actually higher on Magnus. Yeah, Pay-Arvey we kind of knew more about because Magnus. Because I was like, pay is at least real fast. Yeah. With Sunquest, I knew Bubkus. And boy, <laughs> he's turned it around. I remember, I like your name. I remember when we traded <laughs> exactly. for him. I was like, Sunquest is cool. I had heard of Oscar Sunquist before yeah. we traded for him, and that's all I knew. I was surprised that he only had. Was it one NHL goal before even coming here? And that he really did Maybe two, but yeah. And he didn't even play all that much for the Penguins before that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was only 24. I really thought he'd been around for, I don't know, three seasons or yeah. something like that. And it was barely like two. I guess you hear a, na- a name in the playoffs, you're just like, good player, you know. It's a Nishushkin that's, thing that's <laughs> all good, over again. He's a good player. Good player. Uh, so, I also thought Maroon looked pretty sharp overall in the first period. Not so much today, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a good forecheck, a nice goal. He was physical on both. Uh, and the Vladdy goal was really good to see. And then Bennington, just who started this game, obviously looked so solid. It was nice to have a two nothing lead and just not feel like um, it was slipping away mm-hmm. at a moment's notice. So we can talk about you know whether that's him or whether it's the team in front of him. We'll probably talk about that later. But anyway, the second period, nothing really happened. It was pretty vanilla. Uh, but it didn't feel like a typical Blues letdown second, and the Stars had the best goal differential of any team in the second period, so Mm. that's a good thing to overcome. Uh, The Stars did scare us with a goal halfway through the third period, scored by Eric Condra, his first of the season, assisted by Matthias Janmark and John Klingberg. Uh, This was a goalie interference call, or goalie interference challenge that was basically functionally a timeout. It never looked to be much of an interference to me, unlike another play we'll talk about later this week. Um, And then the Blues managed to kind of uh, put the dagger in the heart, so to speak, four minutes later with a Vladimir Tarasenko goal, his second of the game and 14th of the season, assisted by Perron, who extends his point streak, and Oscar Sundquist, who gets maybe his like second or third ever multi-point game. Maybe his first mm-hmm. ever multi-point game? I don't remember. No, I think, um, well, I can't remember. I didn't take a note here, so, you know. No, for the Habs, you had one last week. I know for sure. Against the Habs? Yeah, yeah. No, for the Habs. We got them from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it was a good game. They pulled their goaler with 2.30 left. Tarasenko was unable to get the empty net, but it was fun to kind of watch him try. And Bennington had a great stretch and kick save late in the 6-on-5 to keep it at 3-2. I think it was great. A great game overall. I think if the... uh, if that goal, if that 2-1 goal had gone in in any other recent game, I would have just mm. been like clenched cheeks the rest of the game, um, thinking that we were going to collapse at any moment. And I just didn't feel it this way. I, after that goal, I was never really scared. They were they had a little momentum for a minute or two, but not enough that I was like panicking. Um, we outshot them, won the face-off battle. Uh, got out hit, but they had 32 giveaways, which is insane. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, this was just a game that the Blues dominated from start to finish for the most part. It didn't look like it on the scoreboard, but 
or even really on the stat sheet, but it was just they were the better team by far. Yeah, it was an impressive road victory. Yeah. I really didn't think they were going to have. I really thought Bennington was going to falter in this game. I, you know, not hard, but I just thought, eh, we've had magic for him for, what, two games prior to this? Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe this one will be a little harder, especially, I guess you had the Philly game on the road, but mm-hmm. two road games, like, eh. But he looked really good, and the team, like you said, it was kind of a quiet road win, a dominating one, but kind of a quiet domination. Mm-hmm. They just kind of kept the puck in the star zone. Stars never got anything going. I think that's the big takeaway, too, sometimes, is they have Ben and Sagan, who despite being uh, described as horseshit, are not. And, <laughs> fucking uh, horseshit. Yeah, fucking not even horse. abstinent horseshit. <laughs> that guy, I hope that guy really thought about putting that in there. He goes, they're horseshit. No, no, no. Fucking horseshit. No, no. Take back. that down. Hold back. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that. Um yeah, they're still very good players, and to be able to hold both those guys, neither of them got an assist on that goal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, off the score sheet completely. That's really impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, after the game, the three three storylines I really focused on were, you know, I really thought Vladimir Tarasenko was back, and he played with confidence in the next game at least. Mm-hmm. Faltered a little bit since then, but he looked really confident. I think he had a good game right before this, and so you were kind of like, hey, maybe this, he's finally coming out of it. Uh, that Sunquist and Maroon line really looked good. I don't remember who was on the other side of that line. Maybe Fabry that night? Yeah, I think so. Um, and then Bennington is just... Been insane. Luke Korak tweeted, In his last eight starts dating back to the AHL with San Antonio, Jordan Bennington is 8-0-0 with a 1.12 goals against average and a 961 save percentage. He hasn't lost a start since November 25 and has stopped 223 of 232 shots in 483-plus minutes. Impressive story developing. And then he added, In his three NHL starts all win, all wins, Bennington has a .67 goals against average and a .974 save percentage stopping 74 of 76 shots it was enough to get Bennington the second star of the week honors in the NHL which is pretty cool Um, and we'll see uh, I would expect him to get the next start probably Mm -hmm. uh, after the game that happened tonight but we'll talk about that and that's not necessarily a reflection on Allen's performance either we'll talk about that when we get there um, <clears throat> Jay Bomeister led the team in ice time in this game, and if you'd told me that was going to happen a month ago, I would have wanted to <laughs> drill your head in with a board or something. Uh, but it didn't bother me. He's looked a lot, I mean, just substantially better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of creating an interesting situation where now, you know, Elliot Friedman reported in 31 Thoughts that some teams are scouting him, and the Blues maybe have to look at... Uh, do they want to trade him? You know, it'll depend. Obviously, Armstrong said in the past, and that quote that we both really like about, I don't tell the players what we're looking for at the deadline, they tell me. Mm -hmm. So he'll probably take his time now and just sort of see what develops. Um, But Bo Meester, who, you know, is a guy a month ago you wouldn't have think any team would touch, with a 20-foot pole, is now a guy that you might see some real value in trading, especially if the Blues are willing to eat you know, half of his salary for cap purposes or whatever mm-hmm. to help a team out. Um, that's looking, you know, that's really looking for help at the deadline. That could probably get you, net you a higher draft pick too, the more yeah. you're willing to eat. And th- I'm assuming that's what you're getting back for rental J. Bowmeister is yeah. really just a draft pick. Second or third, maybe. I would say, he gives you a third, I'd say you take it. Yeah, and I think he's got a no trade. 
He probably. I'm guessing he does. You think for a guy that hadn't ever played in the playoffs before he came here, you would think he'd probably be willing to waive that to go to a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be, you know, I'd be really happy about that because I don't, I don't like selling at the deadline, but I. It could have been a really ugly story for him this year. We talked about it a little last week, and I would be glad to see him like get a shot at another playoff run, mm-hmm. you know. And if he if he lifted a cup this year because we traded him to the Lightning or whoever, I wouldn't have any of that sort of like drats another Blues player won a cup sort of thing, you know, another former boy lifting the cup. Uh, I'd just be pretty excited for him. Uh, So a couple of quotes from Tarasenko to wrap us up, and then we'll move on. He said, It was a huge team effort tonight, and this was a really important game for us. You know, they're a team who we need to catch. We're chasing them right now. This is the Stars. Uh, Like I always said, I think we're playing better every game. We get more confidence, and that's a really big win for us as a team. Uh, He went on to say, When you lose a lot of games, you don't really have confidence. You try to find it, but it's hard. Uh, But I feel like now we're staying really tight inside the locker room, and that's the result on the ice. And then when he was asked about playing, Playing his uh, Russian countryman and Alex Ovechkin in the Washington Capitals, he said, get ready for war there, uh, which is pretty cool and I think an adequate preview of what they went into Washington to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they played the Stars on Saturday, then went to Washington on Monday on the first half of a back-to-back. Uh, Allen is in the starter net. What did you think of that decision at the time? At the time, I thought it was kind of silly. I knew they were going to have to play Bennington and Allen. It's back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. One of them's going to have to play the harder team. I was hoping, who are the Capitals, I was hoping Bennington would get the harder assignment. And honestly, really not a shot at Allen. It's more like, look, Bennington's got the Flyers, a bad team. You got Dallas, who I think is a good team, but... A fringe team. Yeah, a team that's just kind of eh, and they were kind of on the downswing then. The Capitals are a good team. I want to see what he does against a good team. Mm-hmm. So getting Allen there kind of stunk. The but, Habs, who he also played, are oh, kind yeah. of in the middle as well. That's true. They're probably a little better than the Stars. That's probably the like... strongest team he's played against yep. thus far, barring, yep. I guess, the Islanders that we'll talk about coming up. But I believe Allen backstopped us when we beat the Capitals at home. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get the whole, like, well, you beat them and at home. And lost to the Islanders, too. Yeah. So he's like, I get that they'll go, we'll give you the team you beat, mm-hmm. and we'll give Bennington the team yeah. you didn't. Yeah, I mean, I got a little riled up about it, and as is often true, about ten minutes after you send a tweet, you're like, eh, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> well, that's not what Twitter's <laughs> about. Twitter's about what, exactly. knee-jerk reactions. Exactly. Don't tell me otherwise. Exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Splendid. Uh, our old pal, pal Fionix Copley, was in the net for the Capitals. <laughs> the guy we traded hooked back. Hooked on Fionix. <laughs> if you say hooked on Fionix, you need hooked on Fionix. Man, those were ads that you just don't see ever anymore. No, That's they're cool. gone. Uh, we traded him back to them as part of the Shattenkirk deal for no reason. <laughs> Uh, and he's been really, really good for them this season. Yeah. Uh, Kairou and Kairou had been called up and was put in for this game. Jordan Nolan is in, uh, and Mackenzie McEachern and Robbie Fabry were out. We can talk about Fabry maybe after this game a little bit, if you'll remind me. Uh, the Capitals open the scoring eight minutes in with an Ovechkin power play goal. I want to talk about Alex Ovechkin a little <laughs> bit, if you'll indulge me. Is he okay? Is yes. he a good player? Yes. I said. 
said on Twitter, and I knew it would be controversial. I, I get that. That was kind of the point. But I said that he's the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. And I knew it would be controversial, but I was a little unprepared for how controversial it would be. And everyone is entitled to their own opinion. That's one of the things I tried to stress in this thing. But Alex Ovechkin, there, so there are three players in the history of hockey that have three 60-plus goals-adjusted seasons in hockey. Let me explain, because that was a gibberish. Oh, <laughs> there my are brain people hurts. who have tried to calculate, basically, an even playing field across eras. the eras. Yeah. Because, obviously, a lot more goals were scored in the 80s when Gretzky was playing than are scored in today's NHL. So they try and, I don't know the formula because I'm not great as at maths, as the British would say, uh, but <laughs> they just try to, you know, whatever the like scoring percentage or total goals of the league is, they calculate that and then try and figure yeah. out what average scoring would be in that league and calculate it all together. And kind of the like a really incredible goals adjusted season is 60. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a 60 goal season, goals adjusted that's insane no matter what era you were playing in. Three players have th- three of those. Those three players are not Wayne Gretzky, not Mario Lemieux, but Brett Hall, mm-hmm. Mike Bossy, and Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin is now the first ever with four, and we're halfway through this season. <laughs> it's inconceivable! And I just, like, so I... If you don't want to read into goals-adjusted stats, fine. If you don't want to say he's the greatest scorer of all time, fine. Part of the reason I sent that tweet, though, is, like, I think you can get a little lost in the day-to-day with, like, what you're really watching in sports. Oh, for sure. Like, if I had it all to do over again, I would pay a lot more attention to Albert Pujols' prime Mm -hmm. as a Cardinal, because that's one of the greatest decades of a baseball player career probably arguably the greatest of any hitter ever you know and mm-hmm. like at the time I, I knew it was cool but i was like it, you just grow numb to it yeah you and, do and so part of what i was saying with ovechkin <laughs> is just enjoy like really appreciate what's happening because he's doing an unheard of thing i mean there's other stats about people who have done what he's doing at his age which is nobody mm-hmm. he's the only one that's ever done it this old like just just enjoy it. Just appreciate it. That was kind of my point. And the idea, you know, the idea that he all scores them from a certain yeah. spot, it's like, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, even if that's true, does that mean that every defense in the NHL has been terrible for the past decade and a half <laughs> yeah. that can't stop him? Or is he maybe really, 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 really good at getting to that spot and score. That's why I never get It's not like they don't know he's going. Yeah, there. people are like, why don't they cover him? I'm like, I, it's not like they know that's the only player they know about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's still always going to score. It's the velocity and it's just the fact that he's, if you're a goalie, you can't just sit over there because then they score on you on your left side. Yeah. So you have to respect the you have to respect the player with the puck. But when they get to him, it's just the insane velocity and accuracy with what he's able to like deliver it at that speed Mm -hmm. it's absolutely unbelievable yeah and like that's the thing like maybe i can i can see the argument i don't necessarily agree with but i can definitely see the argument for like well lemieux had a lot more ability to like create goals you know skate around people and 
Deke the goalie and Bossy the same thing. And that's fine. Like, if that's your cup of tea, that's great. And obviously, that's an incredible trait to have. But, like, Ovechkin absolutely has to be the best shooter of all time. Like, there's there can't be any question about that to me. And the consistency, the difference to me between that and like best goal scorer of all time is pretty thin. Mm -hmm. So, well, he's like 32 or 33, Mm -hmm. right? 34, I think. Yeah. I know he's kind of a long shot and they've talked about this on 31 thoughts before, but like he has a conceivable shot to beat Wayne Gretzky's goal scored record. Mm -hmm. Now he has a score like 50 goals a season for like five, six more seasons. I think it is. But the fact that he's even close to that, and also the fact that he's he never he never slows down, because every year they'll go, well, he's not going to make it to that mark because this year he's only going to score thirty something. Mm-hmm. But every year it's like forty plus, yeah. and it hasn't stopped. So you can tell me in the future it might, but until I see it happen, I think that that record is within reach, which right. is insane for the fact the era we live in. There's a lot of goals this season, but not a lot of goals comparatively to, like you said, the 80s. That he could catch a guy that scored goals in the 80s mm-hmm. is yeah. absolutely bonkers. That it's even a discussion. Yeah. He has 640 right now. Gretzky has 894. So that's like, not that he's, not that 450 goal seasons are easy, mm-hmm. but if he has that, he's knocking on the door. Yeah. You know? And he's going to have it this year with like, by a mile. He could have a 60-goal, not even adjusted season this year. Oh, I think he's got 100 goals in him at least for the rest of for his career. Sure. I think with him, the question on that is just, is he going to want to stay in the NHL or does he want to go back to the KHL? Yeah, that's true. I see. I know it's like the reason to believe it is because it's unbelievable, but I see no reason at the present to believe that if he wants that record, he can't have it. Exactly. You know, it's just about, does he is he more concerned with breaking that record or going home and being comfortable and mm-hmm. not working really hard to stay in shape and drinking as much Dr. <laughs> Pepper as he wants? Like, that's really the difference for me. So I don't want to, I don't want to get bogged down there forever, but I just, I love Alex Ovechkin. I get some people just don't, and that's fine. But just appreciate what you're watching. Same with Sidney Crosby. Same with Conor McDavid. Just appreciate these guys and don't grow numb to the fact that they're just there all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? um, it's a shame that none of the. I mean, it, <coughs> it's thankful in some ways, but it's kind of a shame that none of those guys are in our division where you get to see them a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because... I was like, that's why they're generational players. Yeah. They talk about, like, um, Jack Hughes and people coming up that people say generational. It's like, well, not quite because they'll be really good, but... There's a reason they call Sidney Crosby and those guys generational, because when they're gone, you might get another one coming up eventually. You might not. But for the next 10-plus-something or more years, you might not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Blues really outplayed the um, Capitals. In <laughs> Having this said that, the rest <laughs> of their team, just dog shit. <laughs> uh, we outshot them 14-7. to Phoenix Copley, pretty good. Not loving that we gave him away for nothing, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so they went into the next period... Down one to nothing, and Ivan Barbashev opened the scoring pretty early. Uh, I'm checking to see if this remained unassisted because sometimes they come up weird in the app. But he scored mm-hmm. a goal. Uh, 
that Copley couldn't cover in the reverse VH, it was unassisted. So for those that don't know, real quick, a VH is like your typical goalie's standard way of hugging the post where his pads are kind of perpendicular and the one, the vertical pad, vertical horizontal, the vertical pad is like hugging the post upright so that you've got your leg against the post, yeah. like I'm doing on this table that you can't can even see, see yeah. and our la- listeners certainly can't see. I and promise he's like, doing it. You're leaning against there, and then your other leg is like flat on the ice. Mm-hmm. The reverse is where you're like hugging the post with your shoulder, and your that leg is horizontal, and yeah. your other leg is vertical. That gives you a little more ability to like shoot off the post oh, push to the off. other side. I'm yeah. doing a very visual presentation for a podcast. <laughs> but it doesn't guard the post very well, as well as the traditional VH. So that's why anytime you see one of these goals that like slips in where there shouldn't be space along the post, you hear Pang complain about these newfangled goalies in their reverse VH. <laughs> and it really was. I mean, it was a spot that would have very much been covered on a, on a typical these VH. These newfangled six-foot-six <laughs> goalies think they can just reverse VH their way to a cup. Exactly. Um, it was not a great goal. Uh, <laughs> so the Blues t- tied it there and then took the lead two minutes later with a Vince Dunn goal. Uh, Tarasenko had a really nice move here on the zone entry, uh, and Dunn took a shot that ricocheted twice off both Orlov and Backstrom and went in. And Shin shouted Dunn to make sure he got the proper credit for it, which is kind of cool. Uh, the Blues had a third goal assist, uh, scored by Perron, assisted by Dunn. You want to talk about the Vince Dunn pass here real quick? Yeah, this was insane. Uh, he was skating back out of the zone he's a real up and down week for Vince Dunn. yeah oh yeah yeah he kind of resembles his kind of short career here thus far but um he's skating out of the zone and they said on the broadcast it looked like a no-look pass but Uh he definitely saw David Perron streaking in the other way towards the net and was able to feather this backhander I mean past like at least three caps mm-hmm. I mean none were necessarily close but I mean if they reach for it they can get it it's not with any crazy velocity but he gets it to Perron like right on the doorstep and he's able to get it up and over uh, Copley's pads on his right it was an ins- it was an insane pass and it was even crazier that Perron was able to lift it in yeah, tight as close as he was too, right? he lifted yeah the back end. Yeah, David Perron is on some kind of heater, as we'll talk about <laughs> later. But yeah, it was a beautiful Sacre pass, bleu. too. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think we already used that as a podcast title. I'm so sorry. We can't it was, it. I know. Um, Damn French. So, uh, three to one, the Blues take a lead into the uh, second intermission. They add on here with Vladimir Tarasenko's 15th goal, a power play goal. Oh my god, the work done here by O'Reilly. Would you like to talk about that quick? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is all Ryan O'Reilly kind of ever does on the blues. It's just work <laughs> uh-huh. nonstop. I think it's like that Rihanna song. It's like that work, 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 work. work. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's what she's saying, right? She's saying work. Okay. And she's talking about Ryan O'Reilly. Oh yeah, I mean, it's Ryan O'Reilly's song. He's absolutely at work Sniskanen. I mean, it's probably like just two seconds of him trying to get around Niskanen mm-hmm. to get to the puck that's behind Niskanen, who he doesn't give a crap that he's playing the puck either. Yeah. I get it's not interference because you're playing the guy who essentially has the puck, but he's really just separating O'Reilly from the puck, and O'Reilly's looking over his shoulder like he's losing his baby or something. He's like, uh, uh, around, in, over, pushes Niskanen aside, and is able to get this in front of Copley, through another defender, like, behind them, 
to Tarasenko, who dusted off a man for that half a second he's dusting it off. I was freaking out. I'm like, please <laughs> oh, yeah. don't took way too do long this. But he does it for good reason because, man, he picks this tiniest corner to the left of Copley to get it over and in. It was an amazing job by O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm surprised no other cap went to go get the puck in these two seconds. I'm surprised Niskanen didn't just turn around and sort of like butt check him and take it and get it out of the zone. I mean, it's one of those things where you just look at the puck sitting there being untouched and he was able to push his way through Niskanen like he was a crappy old offensive lineman and get to the puck like a QB and just get it over to Tarasenko. It was yeah. a great play overall. Yeah, this is a going to be an extremely qualified statement, so it's not as controversial as it's going to sound. But <laughs> there are ways in which I think Ryan O'Reilly is the best hockey player I've watched on the Blues. Now, the first qualification is that in my lifetime, that's certainly not true because when I was young, the Blues had great, great, great players like Chris Pronger and Al McKinnis and even, you know, Demetra and Turgeon and those kinds of guys. I just don't remember them as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was aware of them, but not, like, really understanding the intricacies of the game. Yeah. And there have been other Blues also in my lifetime who, you know, obviously Tarasenko's a better shooter than uh, Ryan mm-hmm. O'Reilly. Jordan Kyrou's a better skater, whatever it is, you know? But... Um, he just does all things well, you know, it's like, it's like in a video game, the difference between having a character who's super strong, but like really, you know, slow or whatever versus like a guy who can do everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's like just a Jack of all trades where it's like, he just never looks lost on the ice. He never looks like he's making a mistake. He never looks like he gets outworked. He's just so good at every facet of the game that even though he doesn't have anything he's elite at, he just looks great all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that goal, the boys really kind of sealed the deal here uh, and, the Caps controlled the flow of the third, but the Blues did a really good job to just not let it really mean anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think this was a game where the Blues traveled to the defending champions and had a really bad luck first period, but managed to battle back uh, against their more baser urges <laughs> and won a huge game uh, to collect their first three-game winning streak of the entire Hooray. season. Uh, and I think, you know... This team definitely is evolving because earlier in the season, the way that first period worked out would have just crushed them. I mean, yeah, 1 0 would have been end. over. Yeah, and they really came back. Uh, Tarasenko stayed hot during this one, and Dunn looked really good at the time. Jake, <laughs> Jake Allen looked great during this game yeah. for the most part. I mean, really, overall, he looked fine. I don't remember, I don't have the shots written down here. I don't know how many he saved, but I would think over 20. Um, and it was the first three-game win streak. So, hey, uh, Blues have the second lowest goals against per game on the road, 2.5, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. Jake Allen at home this year has a 365 goals against average, woof, and an 878 <laughs> save percentage. But on the road is 221 uh, with a 925. What do you th- – why? Like, tell me why. What? <laughs> Please, go for it. I have no idea. I mean, really, the sad part Maybe is... all of their wives are secret agents that, like, liquor them up pregame, and, like, they're all rooting for their hometown team. Wow, I think yours... I nailed it. ...outdid my crazy. <laughs> um, what was your crazy? Well, I was going to say, maybe he just feels less pressure in front of a crowd that is slowly growing disenchanted with Jake Allen. Yeah. Folks, if you go to the games, 
people are giving him Bronx cheers. People are kind of booing here and there. And honestly, now that I think about it, it makes me kind of sad. But it is the feel of the fan base. And it's Those, the right of the fan base. Yeah, I want to clarify that. Like, I would never deny anyone their right to boo. No, you can boo. They had a whole thing about Toronto fans booing Jake thing, Gardner yeah. this week and everything. You this ever, was a thing they tried. the media tried to do here a little bit last mm-hmm. year. It was like, really, you shouldn't boo this team. And it's like, I'll boo if I want to boo. You're allowed to boo. You can call the people that boo oh, an asshole. That's fine. Tarasenko did that last year. Yeah. Like, I really don't like when the fans boo jake allen and i'm like well then play better (laughs) so i think i really do think that factors at very least like five percent into like the mentality of being like okay probably true i can just rally with the boys in front of me and we can just try and get this done because obviously i'm not trying to please anyone here Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little less pressure but they always say on the road though too that your team kind of grows together if you're a good team a team Mm -hmm. that's able to rally with each other Maybe he just kind of feels like that, too. Maybe that's just true of this whole team. Could be, yeah. Even though they lose on the road, but whatever. Yeah, I think this Jeremy Rutherford tweet sums things up nicely. He says, some Blues thoughts. Incredible that they're three points out of wildcard with games in hand. All credit due. I said the forbidden phrase because he said it. I would never utter the phrase that must not be named in a normal context. What's that? All credit due? Yes, yes. No, games in hand. I can't say it. Oh. awful. Uh, they're playing together. <laughs> Shin shouting done on a goal on the goal was class. Tarasenko's heating up with four goals in his last five games. No one works harder than O'Reilly. Allen was great tonight. So all the stuff I just said. Jeremy, <laughs> yeah, thanks, you're Jeremy. Stealing from me. Jesus. So it was looking like this team was finally back on track. And I don't want to say they're totally off track now, though they are. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> let's discuss this Islanders game. Uh, that. Ended 2-1 to one Islanders. Jordan Bennington versus Robin Lanier. I think the matchup we all went into the season just waiting with bated breath mm. to see. A psycho versus a quiet, quiet man. Oh, no. Bennington's also a psycho. Have you seen? Like, he, he slashes people in the age. Well, I mean, he did fight. He fought uh, Phoenix Cop. Yeah, he did that, too. Yeah. But he's also, like, there was one time this season where they were losing real bad, and he just went over to a defender and, like, tomahawked his knee oh so he's like a silent psycho yeah. oh yeah he's great he's like you don't know about what is it uh oh god not tinder stories what is he talking about oh instagram oh, snapchat, story? snapchat. <laughs> thank you god i'm one of the kids folks i know you probably don't know about snapchat stories but here you go <laughs> yeah that psycho snapchat memories <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I love it. Uh, Fabry and McEachern are back in. Blay and Nolan were out, uh, as was jo- uh, Jordan. Carl? Carl. Gunnarsson. I mean, we got a lot of Jordans now. Yeah, if you forget a guy's first name, Jordan is Just your Just try best. Jordan. <laughs> um, Blues were chasing a little bit early here and ultimately surrendered a, a goal at 8.43 to Jordan Eberle. But was it a goal? Jordan Eberle. Jordan Everly, very nice. Um, <laughs> was this like, can you look up, was this like his 200th goal or something? I think it was. Uh, oh, yeah, I wrote it down. His 200th career goal. Cool. Don't look it up. <laughs> Abort. <laughs> they should have aborted this goal. Uh, so oh. the, they won the face-off. Not in like a... No, I, I, no, I mean, I meant oh, it. Okay. No. <laughs> I meant it in a like, oh, that was well oh, done. Thank you. Um, oh. So the, <laughs> the Blues won the face-off, but the puck kind of got down low along Bennington's pad. Lee pushed against the puck and the pad and knocked 
knocked the pad away from the post. Bennington was in a reverse VH, kind of, <laughs> but he wasn't really hugging the post. So I in a way. Uh, but I was trying to bring the thing back from before. <laughs> and he knocked Bennington <laughs> off balance. Everly swooped in and grabbed the puck and roofed a backhand for his 200th career goal. Now, the Blues challenge for goaltender interference uh, it is goaltender interference. They do not call goaltender <laughs> interference, and it is a good goal. Here's the thing. I have two competing mindsets about this goal. I am not doing the thing where I'm a bitchy, angry fan. Who We deserve to be down one nothing. I am not. Point. We deserve to be down one nothing. so if this is how the goal goes in, fine. Like I, We'll talk about that more at the end, but like that's fine. On the other hand, why does goalie interference exist? Why does it exist if this isn't it? Why do you have the penalty? Seriously, like, don't have the penalty. Don't uh, call it, like, change it to goaltender roughing. Mm-hmm. If it literally has to be someone, like, violently taking the goaltender say, out of the play. That's, like, the only thing they call anymore. The penalty because this is a player with his stick pushing the goalie out of the play that is then made in the space that the goalie was occupying. Mm. He wasn't being forced to do it by any other player. He wasn't playing a puck, really. I mean, there was a puck in the vicinity, but he was really pushing against the pad. Like, I just... I don't want to dwell on it, because who cares, but, like, I literally don't understand why. I really do think they're waiting for, like, super blatant yeah. stuff, but at that point, it's almost... But then just don't have it. Just yeah. change the penalty somehow. Then call that, like, I don't know, call that charging. Douche <laughs> you know? Ba- yeah. General douchebaggery <laughs> yeah. on Jordan Everly, or on Anders Lee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the team came out flat like a pancake in this one. It was the second half of back-to-back, and they're... Haven't been good in those since that incredible run where they were like phenomenal in those. Mm-hmm. Um, they that were wasn't too long ago. No, yeah. that was just last season. I think that came to an end. They were outshot eleven to six, and that felt like a fair ratio. <laughs> um, the second period was better. They had a really impressive power play in the middle. Uh, after Lee closed his hand on the puck and pretty much controlled the whole power play. Uh, it was a much better period overall, and they outshot the Islanders 18-7 to in that period, which was the reverse of before, but couldn't get <laughs> anything to go in. Uh, but they did capitalize in the third. I didn't write the timestamp down on this one, but I want to say it was about five minutes in. David Perron scored his 17th goal to extend his point streak to, was this the 14th game? Yep. Um, and still going. Ryan O'Reilly, foreshadowing. I guess that's just a spoiler. <laughs> spoiler uh, to Ryan, the game you saw. Ryan O'Reilly, 29th assist. Jay Bomeister, 8th. Uh, it was just a nice goal. He had a wicked one-timer on Lanier. It was a great play uh, by Bomeister on the zone entry and the dump behind the net to O'Reilly, who pulled up and hit Perron, who was crashing the net. Really nice goal. Probably the best team goal of the week in some ways. I mm-hmm. mean, the O'Reilly goal we talked about with Tarasenko was a better one-man effort, but this was the better unified effort. Uh, it looked like the Blues were positioned to win this. Uh they weren't ultimately. <laughs> McEachern got in a tussle with Clutterbuck in the corner. Sanford went down to a horrifying hit in the corner that hurt him bad, uh, either his head or shoulder or both. After the game, Barubi said he seemed fine, uh, but will be reevaluated. And I believe he did miss today's game, mm-hmm. so he's out for at least a little while. 
Uh, Bo Meester got whistled for a crappy penalty, but O'Reilly earned one back immediately that was half his justified hard work and half a, a pretty obvious makeup call. <laughs> Anytime there's like an immediate like nine seconds into a power play, they call a team, mm-hmm. a call a whistle on the team on the power play. I'm always like, hmm, mm-hmm. you thought the same thing I thought about that <laughs> last call. Um, really close opportunity by the, the Islanders on the power play, but it didn't go in. So we go to overtime. And yeesh, <laughs> you done messed up quite literally because this was all Vince Dunn's fault. I'm not one usually to be like, hey, this player is responsible, mm-hmm. but hard to get around it on this yeah, one. That's it's, the thing. The team could have scored more, mm-hmm. and there could have been a lot of little things that oh, happened. Like, but just like, in overtime, the yeah. whole game isn't Dunn's fault. Oh but no. Like, but Every part of us losing in overtime was specifically yeah, Ben Stunt. that's what I mean. Like, you can point to a lot of little things that could have changed the outcome of this game, mm-hmm. but right here, what changed the game was Vince Dunn. Yeah, well, which begs the question, why is Vince Dunn starting on the ice in the oh, pathway? Oh, yeah. Which, let's discuss after. Let's yeah. describe and then discuss. So, this starts the with an, an inconceivably stupid drop pass. Not even a drop pass. More of like a 180 behind pass. Mm-hmm. A drop pass, theoretically, you just lift your stick and the person comes up behind you and picks it up. This was not that. This was he exited the zone and then tossed it back into his own zone. (laughs) Except it wasn't to a teammate. It was to an Islanders player. This was probably 10, 20 seconds into the overtime. The puck never reached our side of the ice again, I don't think. Uh, And the Islanders never lost control of it. Um, Dunn and O'Reilly didn't get a change in the first 90 seconds. Uh, the Islanders never relinquished possession, and then the puck went to center, which gave Dunn an opportunity for a line change that was as ill-advised as the initial pass, uh, and um, Barzal, who had the puck, sees this happening. He hits Felpula, who's sprinting into the zone, and Felpula gets the puck and shoots it past Bennington, who is way out of his net. Bennington's angry with himself, but really probably shouldn't be because it was botched. It was botched all to hell. The so, botched job. So would you like to pile on Vince Dunn now? Uh, I mean, I guess he did what he did. He's kind of an up-and-down offensive defenseman. You kind of find that with offensive defensemen, I feel, as far mm-hmm. as defense goes. Up and down. Um, every so often, like in the game before this against the Capitals, some really spectacular plays in uh, our offensive zone, but every, every so often too, just some really boneheaded passes. Especially He's capable th- of making offensive plays yeah. that none of our other defenders are capable of making. He's also capable <laughs> of making defensive plays that are offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that everyone else can make. <laughs> uh, don't. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many times in the neutral zone where I see little tiny passes he makes get picked off. I think he's really, I guess he's not bad, but I see little tiny passes he makes are never great. The really long ones, maybe it's because they're obvious, are the ones that stand out as, like, amazing. And maybe he gets them far enough that it doesn't matter when they get picked. But, man, some of these small ones are just like, no, 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 no. I find myself doing that a lot with him. I think he's still, like, learning. It's his second second season here. Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be a stalwart in his own zone. I mean, the guy's barely six feet, if that. I mean, he's probably like 5'10", really. That's average height. That's okay. Um, 
but I think he can learn to make some better decisions. But also, I don't think he was necessarily put in the best spot by our coaching staff to be out there in the first place. He's sorry to interrupt. He's twenty-two. He claims that claims that he he's claims. six foot two oh three, which means he's probably five eight one eighty five or five. Oh, I thought I thought when you said six and then said his weight and you said the two first, yeah. I was like, are you saying he's? Six they say he's six two because that's BS. <laughs> Okay, no, but Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, like, if you, I know he's offensive-minded defenseman's three-on-three, three, but, like, I don't know, toss I'm, Pareko out there? Toss even Petrangelo? Not ice. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Put him out, put him out a, there when you get a nice um, cycle going in their zone. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, toss him out there. He'll speed in. We'll get him open. Yeah. Not to start. from the bench to the zone in half a second. Yeah. You know? Well, this That's is the, the is this too. the long change, too? Do they do the do they make them Long flip change, yeah. in OT? Yeah. yeah. Oh no no no. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, just a bad. I mean, that's just a bad coaching decision. There's yeah. no way around that. Uh, and I think with, you know, maybe pe- people who don't believe in momentum as like a tangible thing will disagree with that, and that's fine. But like, if this had been a third period where we were like really just bringing it down their throat, you know, and just, mm-hmm. like, dominating the game, then maybe you're kind of like, okay, put the foot on the gas and let's go and let's win this thing. But it's not that. And then <laughs> on top of that, you don't... We don't really have the skill players, you know, to, like, fly around. Dunn doesn't have people where it's going to be him and, like, you know, Cairo, if they if they trusted Cairo to be on the ice in three on three, mm-hmm. that I'd be down with because it's like, okay, maybe he's gonna make an error, but he could also just like be past all the people and just be <laughs> in on a breakaway. But yeah, Dunn can't do that on his own. Who is he out there with other than O'Reilly? Do you O'Reilly remember? O'Reilly and I want to say. So at one point, Pang said Tarasenko made a change, but I didn't see him anywhere okay. on the ice. Schwartz. It was Schwartz. That's okay. Was. I know for a fact it was Schwartz because I watched like a thousand times to see him. Because he kept <laughs> saying Tarasenko fact. gets a change, and I'm like, with who and from <laughs> whom? Because Petrangelo is coming on from Dunn, for Dunn, and nobody else is changing. Anyway, I mean, so yeah, this was an, a decent performance. They battled back from a weak first period, arguably an illegal goal that put them in the deficit, and they tied it. Uh, with two really great periods, they tied the game, got a point, but it was a really unfortunate error yeah. that cost them the game. I mean, I think the storylines here are the questionable goalie mm-hmm. interference goal, the great second and third, and then Vince's mistake. <laughs> do you remember, on a random tangent, but related to changes, do you remember, it would have been years ago, it was like a penalty kill and Oshi was out there and he broke his stick. And I think he was waiting, and he was waiting, and he was waiting for the best time, and then he ran to the bench to get a stick yep. or, like, change, and they instantly scored. And I know he wasn't necessarily in the way, but I remember being like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was towards the end of his tenure here when I was, like, slowly, like, get him out of here yeah. for some reason. And I was like, oh, Oshie. Lost in the pass, because people were focusing on, the, focusing on the pass more, the line change decision was really the mistake here. Yeah, that's the bigger thing. watching it back, he had, I mean, the puck, it wasn't even past center ice. He had he just had no business going for it. And he's changing with Petrangelo, who's not going to, you know, he's not the speedster that's just mm-hmm. going to be right back in the zone or anything. Just a strange decision. He's 22. 
there's going to be some growing pains. I do wish some Blues player ever could not have like a horrific sophomore decline. But <laughs> It'll whatever. never happen. Smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The Blues won the faceoff battle huge here. They outshot the other team. They have more hits, fewer blocks, and less giveaways. But uh, the good news was Perron's point streak continued. Uh, it was as the it remains the longest in the league. Um, the Blues were one seventeen and two when trailing after two periods, and now they're one seventeen and three. Uh, let's go Blues Radio. Our good friends tweeted Islanders broadcast crew said, "I'm not so sure you can say the Islanders deserved the win tonight." Uh, and he they, he said, "I fully agree with that sentiment." I'm not sure I do. I think this was a team where one team played better, but not enough better. Where you're like, "Hey, they had to win." But whatever, we're mm-hmm. grasping at straws. Let's move on. Islanders are top three in the Metro. I mean, they're yeah, they're a good team. team against all odds, but they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to... <laughs> we will rally around the absence of John Tavares. <laughs> we will rally around Matthew Barzell, and we will play good hockey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to tonight's debacle. Bruins, what was it, five at the end? Yep. Blues, two. Allen and Nett, we went 7-D, 11 forwards. Not that you could tell. Um, we <laughs> had Kyrie O'Reilly and Perron on the top line, which is interesting. Um, well, I mean, top or second. Really, depending on where you want to put Schwartzstrand and Tarasenko, really the second line. We need to go back to um, our old coach's colored lines. We need there to do the red line, the gray line, the green line. Murray. Murray did that. Yeah. Uh, the first period was one where Allen really kept us in it. I saw a few people on Twitter saying he was phenomenal and amazing. I don't think he was really that, but he was good. I mean, it was obviously a scoreless period. He stopped like 14 shots or something, so I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, I just think he only had one or two saves that were really, like, great. Oh. You know? But anyway, it uh, wasn't enough, ultimately. <laughs> uh, Tory Krug scored in the third minute, fourth minute. Um, this was a just a horrible play by... <laughs> Who else? It's done. Like a duh. <laughs> I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to bury him. We're not trying um, to. It's just. It's just happening. Yeah. Shin checked McAvoy way behind the play, uh, which left us a shorthanded a man because he went for a change too. And then uh, Krejci skated in and along the boards, and Dunn followed him when he had no business doing that, which left three men on that side of the ice. Pareko was watching the play, and nobody saw Krug skate in. Totally unmanned, wide open shot and score. But the Blues answered really quick a minute later with a Ryan O'Reilly goal. Uh, it was a nice interception by Kairou who got an assist on this uh, and Perron got the other assist extending his point streak. Carl Gunnarsson had a nice goal with a slap shot on a give and go with Jaden Schwartz to give the Blues a 2-1 to lead. Carl Boom Boom Gunnarsson. Indeed. I love Boom Boom now because someone made an Informer by Snow reference on our Twitter feed and that's all I need. And That's all I needed to make it stick. Uh, and you think that the Blues would go into the intermission with the two to one lead, but David Backus made it not so. Uh, it was 16 minutes on the power play. The Bruins were on the power play when Zidane Char wound up for a giant shot, and Backus was cross checked over by uh, Jay Bomeister, but had enough <laughs> sense to get a stick on the puck and redirect it for the goal. I don't know if that's his first goal against the Blues since leaving, uh, but I would imagine if it was, he's now scored against all 31. Oh, he probably hasn't scored against the Knights. Yeah. Um, 
So he goes, God damn it, I'm gonna let Jay Bomeister stop me from scoring this goal. <laughs> I'll be damned. Alex Petrangelo, maybe, but never Jay <laughs> Bomeister. Not you, Jay. Uh so you know, I didn't even write down some of the goals in the third period. I got a little sloppy, but the basically the third period was just a wreck. Too much to drink for you. I mean, yeah. The they got a goal five minutes in by Chris. Wagner, you can talk about that Schwartz play before that if you want to, but it was just kind of after that, it was just a disaster. <laughs> you were tied 2-2, two to two. you should have come out, and kind of a, kind of from the blues of a month ago, they just didn't appear. They just didn't show up for the third period, and they lost 5-2. to two. Maybe you can say that they had a four-game road trip and they're exhausted at the end of it, but Boston played yesterday and they weren't exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um with their worst goalie in that, in fact. Yeah, named Tuka Rask. You know, Yaroslav Halak. You know, Tuka Rask was worse <laughs> than Yaroslav Halak. Uh, Wagner got that goal, and then Marchand scored in the 14th minute, and Sean Corrali buried the empty netter. But it never really looked like the Blues would bit back into this after the mm-hmm. Wagner goal. Really ugly. Just really, like a really sour... I told, I told you before the game, I was like, this game really determines the fate of this episode of the podcast because mm-hmm. if it's a win we're going to be like all systems go and if it's a loss it's just going to be like what is this team all again? systems no <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's the name right there um, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean the the fun the fun thing we're going to do as a result of this game is uh STL Blues History at STL Blues History on Twitter, which is a must follow if you haven't. They're phenomenal. I don't know how they do all this stuff. Uh tweeted St. Louis Blues were credited with 25 giveaways tonight. That's the most by the St. Louis Blues in a game since they committed 27 on March 1st, 2006 versus the Edmonton Oilers Ian. The 2005-2006 season was the year wherein we earned Eric Johnson. <laughs> Would you like to read out the roster for the March 1st game in which we had 27 giveaways? Oh, yes, let me. So, March 1st, 2006, I was probably worried about passing a test in a Chem 1 class taught to me and by... To girls. I can't remember the guy's name. Jaeger? No, yeah. daily. Daily. The nice. one that the looked like one. the one that looked the like he smoked vet. a lot of pot. <laughs> All right, that's my life. Blues won this game four to two, March first, two thousand six. This brought them. This brought them to seventeen thirty one and nine on the season. Yippee! <laughs> yes, the roster on this team. Boy, oh boy. I'm going to butcher some of these names because I don't remember some of these people. <laughs> which goes to show Boganicki. why we sucked so much. We have Jesse Bolarice. I'm going I'm to keep a running tab of how many of these people I've ever heard of. Jesse Bolarice, I'm going to say. I'm sorry, older blues fans, slightly older blues fans. I'm just so sorry. <laughs> Kevin Dahlman? Nope. Dallas Drake? Hey! Hey, we know that one. Mike Glumek? Glumek. Glumek? We haven't heard of him. Barrett Jackman. Hey! Ryan Johnson? You could have heard of him, but that was boring enough. I'll say I heard of him. I've heard of a guy named Ryan and a guy with the last name Johnson. (laughs) Dean McAmmond. Nope. You'd think I'd remember that, but nope. 
One goal, one assist, two point night for Jay McClement. Oh, we won this game, right? We did four two. Wow. Vladimir Orzga. Really? <laughs> sure, I'm I'm butchering the hell out of that one. Mark Rycroft. I've heard of Mark Rycroft for some mm-hmm. reason. Bryce Salvador. Is he like weirdly still bouncing around in some like dark? Oh world? no way! No, you might be what thinking of Raycroft, the goalie. Might be. Might be. Lee Stepniak, our little boy, hey, Lee Stepniak. Child. One assist. That was one assist closer to getting him traded. Mark Rycroft was undrafted and gonna shock you, and he had 226 NHL games with 21 goals and 25 assists. His Let's last see. game was for the Syracuse Crunch in 07-08. Matt Walker. I could have heard of him too. <laughs> Eric Weinrich. Wow, this is like Yeah. Wow, yeah. I knew it'd be uh, bad, but yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trent Whitfield? I've heard that name recently, maybe. You have not. I'm having serious deja vu right okay. now. Okay, anyway. I skipped over one because I want to get to him. Dennis Weidman, a young Dennis oh, Weidman. That's got to be a super Before young. Before he was out there killing referees. Man, yeah, he must have been super young. Scott Young. We've heard of Scott Young. Who got one goal and one assist for two points? That was not Jay McClement that night. It's a blue that we should all know. Everyone should know. They're still around in this organization in some capacity at this point. Cam Jansen? No. God, no! (laughs) 05 06. Mm -hmm. This was after the trade deadline. Yeah, they're still here. I mean, they're like the first one would still be here. Well, they the, had been traded before, though, and then came back. Doug, no, Keith Kachuk. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Keith Kachuk got traded to the Coyotes yeah, and then came right. back, right? Oh, he had to play on that shit old team. Man, that was probably their best player. Oh, like, by, like, ball, like yeah, and just huge. And in that, Curtis Sanford stopping 35 of 37 shots. Oh, baby, the Sandman. <laughs> now, if I click, if I go back here. I want to tell you real quick about this team. This team finished dead last in the league, 21 wins, 46 losses, 15 overtime losses for 57 points. 57 points. They were led by Scott Young with 49 points. You mentioned, though, that this was after the trade deadline because second in points is Doug Waite at 44. at third is mike sillinger who i've heard of at 41 points he obviously also gone so he was like our top scorer at some point that year or the year before i think because i was reading about the blues history this season oh because uh um what's his name rutherford wrote that article covering this crap all team Mm. about the worst team i ever covered were some of these people hurt peter sajnik sionic sionic I'm trying Trianic? to do the J- Peter yeah, there, Trianic. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, I remember Peter Trianic. Was he traded? I've heard of him. How do you spell it? C A J A N E K. Peter Kyanic, I'm pretty sure, is like a decent. NHL no, I mean, 41 points, age 30 at that point. Drafted him in the seventh round. How old do you think Dennis Weidman was on this team? I mean, he just fought that ref like two or three years ago. And he was playing in this game. How old do you think Dennis Wyman was? 
22. Wow. So Peter Chianic <laughs> played... Folks, you're learning what you wanted to know tonight. We've got to move on after this. But he was born in 1975. I don't know how this worked. This is the weirdest thing. 1975. Okay, that checks out. That checks out. I was looking at his age. He was drafted in 2001 in the seventh round of the 2001 entry draft, 253rd overall. He played from 1993 to 2002 for H.C. Zlin in the Czech Extra Liga, where he had 643 games and 505 points. And then the Blues signed him to an NHL contract. In his career, he had... A very respectable 153 points in 269 games, all with the Blues. And then he went back to the KHL and ELH and retired, are you ready for this, in 2015 at the age of 40, he retired playing for PSG Zlin and still had 36 points in 48 games. This guy's like the biggest legend that never really played in the NHL. Someone, he someone had a tweet world at championship us. Championship gold medal in 2000, 2001, and 2005, and took home Winter Olympics bronze in Turin in 2006. Way to go, Peter Chianic. Real quick, in this 4 2 game, mm-hmm. Keith Kachuk scored, Scott Young scored twice. And Jay McClement scored once. The two goals scored on us by Edmonton Oilers, our former Blues. One is Marty Reasoner. Would you like to guess who the second one is? Can I? Doug yeah. Waite? No. Oh, he went to Carolina, right? Edmonton Oilers. This is 2005-2006. It's a recent acquisition from us. At the time recent or recent now? Dan no. <laughs> no, it was a recent acquisition. I... Taveled no. You're gonna you're gonna hate yourself. Chris Pronger. Oh no! So obvious. Wow, even this 4-2 win had to have felt like such a goddamn loss. Like seriously. Just like kill me. Moving on. I just real quick, our wonderful friend Jeff, uh 14th and Clark at S at hockey. STL hockey feed or hockey feed STL. What are these? Just type them both in. Uh Sent along his wonderful gifts after this game and this fourth goal, which we must have been paying no attention to, is such an abomination. (laughs) (laughs) They win the faceoff, 43-23, excuse me, just skates around in a circle. Just literally from one half wall, wrap around the net. He slides the puck just along Allen's pads. Gunnarsson's whacking at him from behind. And then Marshander, whoever is there, just with a wide open net on the rebound. Just an abomination. Good lord. Okay. Um, you want to talk about David Perron? Let's. It's the shining beacon of hope outside of Ryan O'Reilly on this team. David Perron's now at a 15 point streak at this point right i believe 14 or, or, or like 15 15 games of the point mm-hmm. at least one point there you go so last season with the golden knights david Prawn had 16 goals 50 assists 50 assists for 66 points and 70 games played so that put on a 0.94 points per game record there which i think is yeah most certainly his best of his career not his highest goals 
Highest goals was with Edmonton and was 28, which he could he could hit this year for sure. Uh, he's currently at 17 goals. Well, no, now 17 goals, 18 assists mm-hmm. for 35 points in 45 games, putting him just a little bit over a .77 points per game uh, pace right now. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 63 points in 81 games, now a little bit more. You can't be any more than that because he was scratched for one game. Healthy scratch by Barube only eight games after he took over as interim head coach. Uh, Perron has nine goals, nine assists for 18 points. I guess now nine goals, 10 assists for 19 points in the 18 games played since being scratched. That's a heater. That's a crazy heater. That's a point-per-game player that's more than that. Uh, Barube scratched Perron due to some of the penalties he was taking. Perron talked with the coach after sitting the game against Vancouver. All of these quotes are from Jim Thomas's article in St. Louis or in the Post-Dispatch. So check that out. I don't want to rip off all of them, but we got a few here. Uh, Perron said, The conversations I had with Chief were very important. A lot of the things I'll keep between him and I, but just kind of explaining what I went through last year and how I felt when you feel important. Those types of things. You know what I mean? When you feel important, you can play better. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because he talks about sort of like his expanded role with Vegas and like this is the first time in his career there that he felt like he was playing like a big role, a core role on a team. Because I mean, at that point before coming here now and before moving to Vegas, he was kind of slowly turning into more of like a journeyman, you know, a a journeyman, you know, like a Lee Stepniak sort of where it's like you kind of bounce around here and there and you're a good player. You're just the guy that like the Reggie Sanders in baseball. Yeah. It's like wherever you go, you're fine. You're liked, but nobody misses you. Yeah. You're, you're kind of replaceable. You're a good player, but replaceable, I suppose. And Mm -hmm. so Perron goes on to say, I felt like I proved a little bit of something last year with having a bigger role for Vegas role that I never had pretty much in my career, and did good with that. And we had success as a team, too, so I wanted to bring that here, obviously. I didn't get that right away. It seems like, yeah, they talked about his point production at the beginning of the season was kind of slow, but even before Barube had benched him, I believe he had, like, three goals and two assists or something in six games prior to that. So, like, he was doing well. Yeah, he was benched at the time because of some kind of questionable... It was more a Questionable <laughs> offensive zone penalties. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Which was kind of interesting because I thought in his time here before, his in his second stint here... He'd done a lot better. He had that. done, yeah, a whole yeah. lot better. So, I mean, I can kind of forgive him for that now if it means he's going to have greater offensive production. Uh, O'Reilly talks a little bit of Perron, too. He says, he's playing phenomenal. He's one of those guys that he gets the puck and he can find everybody. He's got great vision, but he protects the puck so well. He's been on fire and he's working for it. You see how hard he works out there. He's a big reason why we've won these last few games. And then I thought a nice little quote Perron had on Barube, because, I mean, it was not really a tiff, but, you know, when you scratch somebody, it kind of puts a target on your well, back you as a coach a little bit yeah with not a lot of like not an obvious reason mm-hmm. well we talked about yeah we talked about last week maybe a little bit or maybe or maybe we didn't that Rube kind of seems every so often to just have like a random wheel, wheel he spins yeah. and he goes well it's uh sammy blaze time to sit you're, you're young and i don't like your forehead you're on the bench <laughs> riding the pine up in the sky i've had take a seat <laughs> yeah. uh so Ron on Rube. I only heard good things about Chief, and it's been unbelievable so far. Even though he scratched me, we all love him in here. It has nothing to do with others. There's no hard feelings. We want to go through a wall for him. Which sounds like they're rallying at least around Brube in, in the locker room, which is kind of nice to hear. 
I just had a few thoughts. Doesn't on... it also sound like David Perron should have a better grasp of the English language by now? Yeah, I'd like to say I read all that word for word for what he quoted. <laughs> Certain things sound like there's words missing, uh-huh. but it's that's what it said when he said it. He's uh, one of those guys, too. It's like he wants to speak English as well as he wants to that day. Yeah. Uh, sacre bleu. No, <laughs> uh, no press. Oh, no, no English. <laughs> no English. Parlez-vous français? Perron, though, I mean, he seems to slowly emerge as a leader on the ice. I can't say so much in the locker room. We're not in the locker room. We don't know, Stephen. But on the ice, it seems like he's leading by example. It's a workman effort out there. It looks like he's trying the hardest he's ever has out there. He was already on a really good deal. Like four years at four million was already pretty much a steal. If anyone ever complains about that deal again, yeah, I'll kill him myself. (laughs) Just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm saying it's like a steal squared at this point. I mean, if you're a good player, if you're a good player in the NHL at this point, you were making five million at least. He had sixty six points last year. If you're a 23-year-old RFA coming off a 66-point season. That's more than William Nylander had last year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he made $6.9 million. Like, that's a $7 million point season if you're a young... $7 million season if yeah. you're a younger player. And, you know, we got him for four for four. He had to leave money on the table. Somebody was definitely going to give him five and a half somewhere. Like, I think easily. Yeah, and I've always... You know, I... I have kind of had the sort of rule of thumb of, well, about... And this really is a, should evolve at this point because it's really beyond this, but about 10 points per million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, especially for, like, an offensive player. Like, if you are paying $4 million for a 40-point player, fine. You know, if mm-hmm. you're paying 5 for 50 and so on, you get the point. But, like... He's going to, I would think, easily get to 50 this year mm-hmm. on $4 million. That's a steal. And then if he does that or close to that next year, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been incredible. And, you know, we all wanted O'Reilly to do the thing we all wanted Stastny to do before, after Laterra did the thing that they wanted <laughs> Stastny to do but then didn't do the thing. Namely, find this incredible magical chemistry with Vladimir Tarasenko and make him a 50-goal scorer. But to me, it's just as valuable for him to find that potential with anyone else Mm -hmm. and elevate their game. It's no more valuable for Tarasenko to go from a 40 to 50 goal scorer than it is for Perron to go from a 15 to 25 goal scorer. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't actually matter who scores the goals. I was like, and in the article, Jim Thomas's article, Perron talked a lot about his chemistry with O'Reilly and even comparing them to kind of like guys like Ryan Getzlav, which I think is like high praise and mm-hmm. just how they think the game and how they, those guys make it easy to play with them. So yeah. yeah, there's obviously a lot of chemistry there. Yeah. So why don't we talk just, you know, there's, there's not a lot of blues news that we didn't already cover some injuries that happened here or there, but why don't we talk about where are you at with Craig Berube right now? Because to me, I'll just. Why don't you start, and then I'll <laughs> respond. I think this is very optimistic sounding, but I believe it. The world is the Blues' oyster as far as coaching goes. You don't. There's no contract with Rube as like head coach. Mm-hmm. They've said interim from the get go. You can have him, but I think it'd be kind of naive and silly to not 
look at all your options. I'm sure they are. I, I don't doubt that they're just going, oh, we're not looking at anybody. But I think you should look very strongly at all your other options mm-hmm. because especially for Doug Armstrong, when you're sticking with a coach, you're putting your name, your stamp on another coach, I would think you really want it to be a very strong candidate at this point. I don't think he survives another coaching change. It's been how many coaches? I mean, it's not a ton, but it's been four Four at this point. He had started with Payne. Yeah. He was here technically before Payne, but if yeah, you call yeah. Payne as first hire, mm-hmm. then it was Hitchcock and then Yo and now Berube. Yeah, and if you get if you go with Berube and it doesn't work out, you know, say next season they don't look so great, and it's like, well, you got to get rid of him then and find a different coach. It's over. So I really think you need to look strongly at all your other options. So in my opinion, I would still not make him your coach next year. I don't know how he feels. I don't know how the hockey coaching hierarchy and social cues work where it's like, hey, do you want to be an assistant coach again? Craig, because I'll have you as an assistant. I don't want to get rid of you Mm -hmm. necessarily. I'm just saying I don't necessarily want you as the head coach, though, either. We talked about the other options out there on previous episodes. I just, he's shown me that he can get these guys to play better. Um, I don't mean to take away from what he's done, but I also feel like this team's good enough that they had to gel at some point. Maybe not completely. If you have a bad coach, that's not going to happen. But I think if you're just an okay coach and you're just like, guys, let's get it together. Like, come on, seriously. I might say, that might be super basic, but I think they kind of eventually get it. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good players coach. It sounds like they like him, but at the same time, is that do you need you need some of that? But you don't necessarily need that. No one really liked Ken sh- Hitchcock, and he did amazing. I'm here. not sure this is the group that really needs the coddling, or <laughs> I'll say deserves a players coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to punish them, but, but <laughs> yeah, like, I gotcha. Sidney Crosby, that like, if the Pittsburgh Penguins want a players' coach now, fine, fine, great. You know, I don't know what is it Sullivan who's out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether he is or isn't perceived as a players' coach, but if he is, great. But like, yeah, I mean, I was gonna say it's my nightmare scenario that Burby's extended. I, that's not that extreme. I don't want to say that. I just, I really don't want to see them do what I feel like the Cardinals did this year and just pull the trigger too soon and for some reason decide in March that it's like, hey, we should name Verubi the head coach oh, because yeah, he's done don't. pretty adequately. And it's like, no, just have your search. If he ends up being your best, op- this is the weird thing of it's like, well, someone could swoop in and take him. No, they can't. Like, he's not going to, it's the same thing they always say about players. He's not going to move his shit. You know, if if you want if you want him, he's not gonna go because it's like, well, you know, Philadelphia decided they wanted to give him a second chance, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like so obviously Quinville. Like if I ever found out, not that you ever would, but if I ever found out they went with Baruby without ever making like a serious offer to Joel Quinville, mm-hmm. I'd kill everyone in the organization. <laughs> For any, co- I mean, really any coach, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, Baruby, just if they just settled for Baruby without really exploring the Quinville Road and whether it was an actual possibility, I'd be livid. So don't do that. But then... (laughs) So don't do that. I just, like... The last several guys we've had, Hitchcock to a lesser extent because of who he was, but really, I mean, still kind of him, 
were part of the you know the fraternity of NHL coaches who had been bounced out of another job, and we thought we saw enough that we wanted to give him a second chance. But I realized Joel Quinville was that once, and mm-hmm. he's done all right. But I don't think that's where you find your Stanley Cup winners most of the time. Your Stanley Cup winning coaches. I don't. Mm-hmm. You were you said it earlier. We were talking about. I don't remember if it was Allen or or just the team in general. But we, you made the point of like, when is this fan base going to demand? Greatness is that what you said? Yeah, perfection. And yeah, and I don't mean to say that anything fans want is going to like change anything necessarily. But I just mean what it's kind of not to harp on Jake Allen, but they'll be like, "Oh, it was a pretty good game." You know, I think that's fine. But like, at what point is like fine? I think we're accustomed to fine for this season because Uh we were so bad. So now fine looks good, but fine isn't good. We need to be good. We need to be great. We're frothing at the mouth for a cup. Your aim needs to be to get through fine to the rest of it. And so kind of like I think what you're saying with a coach, though, too, is like you don't rest on like a coach like, yeah, that guy's good. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't want a coach. Shoot for the moon. Who is adequate. I want a coach who can help us win a Stanley Cup. I'm tired of doing adequate. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons I'm like. That's And still, honestly, I'm still like this, and I know it will be unpopular, but I would still much rather see this team tank and get a top eight pick, top ten pick, than be fodder for the Jets or Predators in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yes, the next month and a half would be a lot more fun that way, but I don't think it's better for this franchise to lose a first round pick I mean, it's better for the organization to make the money from the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. I do see that side of it, but I don't think that is like the, you know, the make or break for the Stillman family. And it's just the same with the coaching. It's just like, don't settle. If Baruby ends up really, if you really exhausted your search and you really think, you know, hey, Sheldon Keefe isn't coming here. Mark Hunter isn't the right fit. That Swedish guy with the righteous beard doesn't want to come <laughs> overseas. Joel Quinville is too expensive, or, or you know prefers this uh, prefers to coach Connor McDavid. Whatever it is, if you've really gone through that list, and then you get to Bruby and you're like, he did pretty well here. The players seem to play really hard for him. Let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Fine. I don't. I think that ends with Bruby Bruby being fired in three years, and Doug Arms after Doug Armstrong is fired, but. Fine, you know, I'm mean, yeah, not yeah. trying to be a pessimist. I get how that could happen. But I don't want them to see of like, well, they played 570 under Baruby since he took over. Mm-hmm. And some of the, you know, would be 600 if they hadn't been really bad in the first two weeks. So we <laughs> should make them our full-time coach. It's just, just don't do that. I was like, I know it's just a winning percentage. It's just a number as a comparison. Mm-hmm. But Mike Yo did really good he was after like Hitchcock got fired or something. He was like twenty two eight and two. Oh yeah, I don't make that commitment on like a half season, buddy. Yeah, no way. Just just explore your options. That's all. Um, Use that coach Tinder. Swipe right. <laughs> Swipe. Start swiping left before you start swiping right. You feel me? Exactly. Speaking of exploring your options, let's enter the portion of this podcast where we do kind of an NHL free for all. <laughs> and one of the things. One of the things I want to go ballistic about this week, we've been pretty low-key so far. By the way, swing and a miss on making those game recaps shorter. But anyway. <laughs> eh, we tried. We've been, we were better, but 
Baby steps, small bites. Gary Bettman is being paraded a lot this week. And Elliot Friedman, who I love and adore, is kind of a culprit of this. NHL mouthpiece. For saying, (laughs) sell out Elliot Friedman. Pretty soon, he's going to start abbreviating teams the right way on Twitter because the league has told him to stop. (laughs) Um... He he's kind of said this in 31 Thoughts, and a couple other people have picked it up, of like, Gary Bettman said he doesn't want to fight over the collective bargaining agreement. Gary Bettman, in 2003, was asked about how he felt about the impending collective bargaining agreement negotiations. And he said, and I quote, I'm not looking for a fight. Now, here's the good news. The 0405, so put that in context for anyone who doesn't know, the 0405 season doesn't exist. It literally is just totally gone because he was looking for a fight. <laughs> to put that in perspective, the fight then was the salary cap. That was when the league instituted the salary cap. The players obviously didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge knockdown dragout fight. I really don't think they have that much to be fighting. Like, on paper, there is no reason for a lockout. Zero reason for a lockout this upcoming uh, year. Well, we'll talk about the the time frame in a second here. But Gary Bettman and the NHL owners, and I'm, I'm stealing some of this language from Puck Soup. They have a really good discussion of it, if you guys are interested in listening to that. But Gary Bettman and the NHL owners have shown no ability to restrain themselves as far as negotiations go. They have shown no ability to just say, enough is enough. We're rich enough. Our pockets are lined enough. Let's not just bend over for the players, not just give them everything they want. It's a negotiation. I get that. Mm. But let's find the common ground so we don't F this up again. <laughs> so let's... That's asking too much. Let's say this, first of all. So there are three important dates that could get a little confusing because people are talking about a 2020 lockout and a 2022 lockout and this year. So here's the, here's the short version. The collective bargaining agreement that is current runs through the 2021-2022 season. However, it's that's a 10-year from the last one in 2012. Mm-hmm. However, both sides have a an opt-out option after eight seasons, which would mean the lockout would happen after the 2019-2020 season next year. To... Take that option. Either one of those sides has to declare by some date in 2019. I don't know if it's the end of this season or, you know, the start of next season, whatever it is. So if they don't declare, if neither of them opts out, it's not that there's no lockout. It's that the can is kicked down the road to 2022. Mm -hmm. If either of them opts out, it's not that there's an immediate lockout next season. It's that they have basically a year to figure their shit out. So that's kind of the timeline here. The big deal on the table 
is escrow, which I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've heard about it a lot, and I meant to look it up right before this, and I failed to do that. So, basic. I mean, but basically, it's the player's share of revenue. Mm-hmm. The players have to uh, pay a certain amount of escrow on top of their con- out of their contract, not on top of their contract. Bigger players are punished more. Um, and the escrow goes up as the cap goes up. Those are the things I know for certain. It's not... That shouldn't be a make-or-break issue for the NHL. They should be able to bend but not break on that. Give the players back the Olympics, which... You know, if, if I was more... If I was more predisposed to appreciating Gary Batman, I would... <laughs> You'd almost if you were his admire, mother. huh? If you were his mother. Yes. You would almost admire the way he's taken the Olympics in 2020. 2020, right? Because they had him in 2016. Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. No, 2018. So 2022 Olympics. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 2022 yep. Olympics. He has taken a thing that he once... The NHL desperately wants the 2022 China Olympics. That is huge for their global expansion strategy. And he's taken that and he's made it a bargaining chip for him. It's truly incredible. (laughs) It really is. That would be like if I took my brother, who's a diabetic, if he took his insulin and made it a bargaining chip for him. He was like, I'm not going to give this to myself. If you don't do what I say, I mean, it's really, it's a really remarkable thing that he's done. <laughs> but it shouldn't be too hard to give them the Olympics, give them some relief on the escrow, take whatever one or two things you want, and call it a day. Do you think they will, Ian? God, I hope. <laughs> That's I not an answer. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into an Indiana Pacers podcast. I don't know jack about basketball. I tell you that much right now. They still got Detlef Shrimp over there? <laughs> I don't think so anymore. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to go to a lockout. Because, like you said, there's just not that many hot-button issues for them. I think they'll be okay with escrow, they being the owners and like the NHL. Um, I think the players, obviously, will be the ones arguing to lower that for themselves but i'm thinking like you said hopefully the nhl and say ah we'll lower it by just a tad or something Mm -hmm. along those lines i'm hoping they start talking about this early and they get it figured out early because god was i upset when we had to wait all the way to what january of 2013 middle of january to get any nhl games going and god forbid we have a whole you know a full year lockout a full season yeah, I'm with you. I just don't think there's enough for the NHL and the owners to, you know, hold on to for them to make a line on the sand of, like, this is what we do not cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was hoping you would keep stalling because I was reading up on escrow. But, oh. Uh, no, let me feed you another thing that you can stall. <laughs> oh. I think the thing that, the the for maybe the first time, the players actually have some bargaining momentum here mm-hmm. if they choose to use it well. Because the NHL cannot afford a lockout right now. Things are going as well for this league as they ever have. And they have shown an incredible ability 
to put their foot in their mouth in the past. But with the expansion into Vegas and the expansion into Seattle that's coming. There you go. Six hundred and fifty million, is that what that is yeah. the fee for that is? They can't do it right. They cannot they do it. They can't do right that now. with Seattle expanding. No way. So if if I was the players, I would for sure opt out now and force this issue before Seattle expands. Holy crap. I didn't even think about Seattle. Yeah, that's like buying yourself a shiny new shirt and then shooting yourself in the head. <laughs> like, 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 don't waste the money on the shirt then, bud. Oh, no. Yeah, they can't for Seattle. You said they could they could possibly, at the earliest, um, lock out after the 1920 season. Yeah, and then so they, if they opt out, it'll be after 2020. Okay, but then the 20... The 20 and then 21 season is when Seattle's supposed to be in the league, right? I think they or is it one Or is it 21 22? Yeah. Okay. Either way, it's close enough where it's like, you just can't do that, man. There's no way. You have so much positive momentum for this league. Mm-hmm. You have so much, just in terms of money even, in terms of uh, TV deals. I think eventually one of those is up pretty soon for NBC, and I'm sure that'll be a big cash cow for them as well that they're going to pony up on again. Like... You can't. You just can't. There's no way. And it it's, looks bad. It just looks nasty. And it makes you look like a garbage to your league, which, let's be honest, we're just barely scraping out of at this point. Mm-hmm. You can't have a lockout in 0405 and then have a lock, you know, a partial lockout for the whole first half of 12-13 season and then have another one. You, you It looks terrible, and it's not like it doesn't get reported and other, you know, just casual fans don't realize this. And that's who you lose, too. You're not going to lose the hardcore fans, but you lose all those casual fans you've been cultivating and trying to earn back with star players and all-star games and outdoor games. God, you know you're filling stadiums with, like, 40,000 people. Those aren't all just the most hardcore fans. You're getting people that just want to see some cool, weird hockey game outside, Mm -hmm. and you're losing those people. You're losing them for years if you do like a lockout for years this league looked like poop in 2005 2006 it looked like goddamn shit <laughs> it was awful yeah i was a 15 year old kid who cared about disastrous yeah, we were in beginning of high school i cared about hockey Wasn't so much that, that was and it just disappeared and i didn't care anymore yeah i just did not care and i wasn't i wasn't upset either it just happened and that's then, just gonna happen to people they just stopped back, thinking that was about the year it. the blackhawks like started 21 and 0 or something right i think so or something, something like insane that. and it was just because like everyone was terrible it wasn't yeah. like they were so incredible i mean obviously they were a dynasty after that but like it was just such a disaster yeah, you just lose people and not necessarily, you know, to anger, just absolute indifference. Mm-hmm. With how much is going on in the world these days in terms of sports or entertainment, people will find something else. You are competing with other sports, you're competing with movies, you're competing with TV, you're competing with video games, books, whatever. It is entertainment. And when you disappear, people will find something else. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's just a... They can't afford... Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to... Uh, we'll, we'll move on, but, like, just don't do it. Just figure your shit out. Get your <laughs> shit together. Put it in the backpack so it's all together. Put it in the shit museum. No, it's... Yeah, I mean, just... You can't... Like, don't 
Just for the sport that we love. For this podcast. Get out of your own way. We'll have to figure out something else to cover for the podcast. We will we'll never go on strike. We'll never knock out. We'll just review shitty movies. <laughs> like, have you liked our movie reviews? Steven hasn't watched Bird Box yet, but God, I'd love to talk about it. Oh, maybe we should do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'd, I'd have to watch it. I'd give it a D now. for depressing. Would you watch it again with me to just hate it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd silently just stare at you while you watch the movie. Go, here it comes. Excellent. Here's the guy doing the thing he does. Uh, I mean, I know the plot, so that's the good news. Escrow, by the way, is basically money that players have to get. This is a real. This is a real fucking operation here. The owners pulled basically the boys. owners and the players have to split hockey related revenue 50-50. So when the owners make too much or the players make too much money, they have to pay money back to the owners, and it's always the better players that have to pay more because they're not going to F over the worst players. Very cool of them. Very shitty of the owners. Next question. The Anaheim Ducks are terrible. Why haven't they fired Randy Carlisle? I thought it was just going to be the Anaheim Ducks are terrible, question mark. (laughs) Um, Yes, they are. They, tonight, finally vanquished what I think ended up being a 12-game losing streak. Yeah, I think you're right. To the, uh, at a, after, I can't speak, a 3 to nothing defeat of the Minnesota Wild. Very embarrassing. What a boring game. They posted all three of those goals in the first period. Ugh. And then it would just, then the game ended. <laughs> like, yikes. Which we didn't talk about much earlier, but the Blues... Ended up, they at one point at least, they're back down to, it looks like, five points out of the wild card, four or five points. But they were at three at one point this week. And uh, the reason is because the thing we never said, we said would never happen, happened. Which is namely that we talked about how just because we won didn't mean all the other teams would lose, but all the other teams lost. Yeah. The Oilers got terrible. The uh, well, Avalanche the, got terrible. The Wild got terrible. The Oilers looked in a mirror and were like, oh, that's right. It's just Connor McDavid in that <laughs> mirror. <laughs> it's like the Mirror of Horizon where uh, Harry's family shows up, but it's the reverse. They're all looking into it as a team. And <laughs> just Connor's Connor just McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <sighs> Fully RV is like, I do not see myself. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you're still here. You never will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Blues are now four points out. Uh, with only one game in hand now. Front <gasps> uh, row. If the Blues ever, and I mean literally ever, went on a 12-game losing streak and didn't fire their coach, would you be, like, hanging yourself or (laughs) shooting someone? I would be. I would take to the streets. Now imagine that that coach was on his second go-around with your team in the third or fourth year of that go-around and had been fired before. Like, yeah, you, you can fire him. You did it. You literally have done it before. Just do it again. 
Watch this. Crossva. Uh, Spittin' Chicklets has a great Randy Carlisle impression, and it sounds just like that. Check it out. I t- I, so let's talk about trades. I was like, tell me the trades they made. You the, feed me these stupid trades. They went crazy. <laughs> you know how you do. I hope someone, like, I don't know, the assistant GM was like, so are we going to fire Randy Carlisle? Like, well, he goes, no, well. I'm no. Bob Murray, and we can't do that, so we got to start trading people. Like, well, you could fire him. I was like, no, no, trade time. <laughs> All right, Bobby boy, let's go. Um, so the first one, there's a lot of different trades this week. The first one, kind of the headline-grabbing one, is Andrew Cagliano was traded by the Ducks to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Devin Shore. Now, on the surface, they get a younger, cheaper player who's been comparable mm-hmm. to Andrew Cagliano this season. That's fine. I don't really care. Um, but I just... I don't love the feeling of a guy that's played 584 career games with your franchise just being ca- kind of traded out of nowhere. Under cover of darkness, just like kind of get the f out of here. You After know? Like, eleven games of losing, they go ah. Andrew Cogliano's yeah. the problem. Devin Shore has seventeen points in forty three games this year. Andrew Cogliano, eleven and forty seven. So he's not been great. I'm not mm-hmm. denying that, but like, oh, that's just a weird trade to me. And then is Cogliano making more money? I think he is. Yes, he is. About a million more. And then they got, uh, they traded Pontius Aberg to the Wild for Justin Kluse. I know nothing about either of those players. Wasn't Aberg part of Edmonton, I think, to start the year? Yeah, but he was part of a bigger trade like last year. Possibly. Let's look it up. He what he became You're or was a national predator. Blake, but Sorry. I'm looking it up. I think he was part of the I looked it up on the Wikipedia. Hartman trade? Conscious. He was a national predator at one point. Aberg. On eighteen July two thousand seventeen, the Predators resigned. Never mind. Uh, on 2017-18 season at the NHL trade deadline on 25 February 2018, Pontius Aberg was dealt by the Predators to the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, Edmonton. Oh, yeah. In exchange for Mark Letestu. Oh, no. (laughs) This is a three-way trade for Mark Letestu? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God, that was the funniest day of our lives. Why does it take a three-way trade to move Mark Letestu? Oh, I'll have to find a way to clip that back in at the end of this. Put it right here. Put it right here. (laughs) What's up, everything? It's the Two Guys No Cup podcast coming at you with another bonus episode. Our topic tonight, the trade deadline, of course. We'll talk about, or at least mention, every trade from this past week, as well as answer some of the more puzzling questions the deadline created. Why did it take a three-way trade? (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. (laughs) 
It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, I just, the way you just lost it, just it still sings to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so this team is lost. Does Bob, Bob Murray should be out of a job, right? Oh yeah, they should fire Randy Carlisle, and then <laughs> if you make Bob Murray like you hold a gun to his head, you go, you fire Randy Carlisle, <laughs> fire your friend, and he does it, and then they and go, then guess what? The You're fired. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I, but I. You can go join your friend on the streets of Anaheim. Would you like to talk about their contracts? Let's do it. I don't have them in front of me. But I let's do. do it. Name them to me, and I'll make a noise. Ryan Getzlav at age 33, $8.25 million for three more seasons while mm. counting this year. Mm. When I say number more seasons, it includes this Okay, year. gotcha. No. I mean, Ryan Getzlav still an assist machine. What's his point total this year? Am I guessing? No. Oh, or are you asking? <laughs> I was asking, but I can look it up. <laughs> look, I can't type. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. Folks, I have, like, claws for hands. You've never seen them, but they're, like, big talons. <laughs> and they just can't operate a computer, and it's not so good. 32 points in 41 games. Not so good. Caw. Fine, but not great. Adam Henrique is starting a five-year extension next year at $5.825 million. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's under six. Corey Perry, who's been on the IR all year, has three more years left on his deal at 862, 862. Patrick Eves, who's on the LTIR for conditioning. Don't know what that means. Did He he had like a disease or something weird, I think, though. So prayers up to Patrick Eves. Bless up. Three one five million. They've got Ricard Raquel <laughs> under four through 2022. Condition that disease out of you. Dynamite. <laughs> exactly. Dynamite contract on He's Raquel. He's been injured, though, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. but he's back now. Andre uh, Andre Kasha, Kasha, however you say it. Just Case, I'm sure. Uh, wrong. No, oh, dead it's, wrong. It's dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> $2.6 million through 2021. Great. So after that, not so bad. Then on defense, Cam Fowler, $6.5 million until the end of time. That's fine. He 2024-25, he still has a contract. 6.5 is decent. He's 27 now, so that'll take him to 34. Eh. It's fine, but it's, yeah, it's fine. Hampus Lindholm, 5.2. Josh Manson, 4.1 through 2021. They're not that bad, except that they've got their top end locked up in underperforming players. And where's the Ryan Kessler deal on here? That's the real... Where is it? Is he hurt? Oh, he's hurt. He's down here. (laughs) 6.875 through 20... 22. No. Yes. No <laughs> way. Yes. Wow. Way to just dagger yourself right in the eye. They're also like basically salary neutral entering next. Like they're not losing more money than they're adding entering mm-hmm. next year for the like for the salary cap. Yeah, so they yeah. really can't add anything. Yeah, they're stuck like where Jacob they are. Silverberg's gone for sure, I think. What happens? Are they like all just having crap I don't seasons? Know, man. It's just weird. Well, Corey Perry's hurt, but he's not going to help either because the dude's just over it. Yeah. Ryan Kessler was hurt, but then played, mm-hmm. but has like no hips 
zero hips to speak of. And the boy's got no biscuits. Yeah, just like <laughs> he's. They've got so many old players, and like you said, just like younger players coming up that are underperforming. It's just a non-team, and I'm surprised it took this long, honestly, for the last three they or four have years. Been a non-team for several years. Yeah, they get swept out last year. Yeah, Did they the make Knights, it right. No, they beat L. They swept L. A. And then they beat, and then <laughs> the Knights beat the Sharks, and then they beat the Jets. So did the Jets beat the Ducks? I think so. I guess. I mean, they must have to. been. That's how that works. Who else were they going to beat in the Pacific? Nobody else. No one else is making it. Yeah. Ryan Kessler, forty-four games this season. You want to guess how many points? You want to guess? Forty-four games. Ryan Kessler has nineteen points. <laughs> oh no, oh, child! No, oh, child! Oh, barf! Oh no, 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 no! no I was, no, no, I no, thought no, this no, was no, too no, low. No. I was way if too optimistic. You take the one off of that, and then minus and then more. Flip over the other it's number. Six. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Would you like to guess his plus minus? Oh, I wanted to tell you the plus minus earlier on those on that blues team. Um, minus eighteen. Fifteen, pretty close. Would you like to guess how many shots he's taken this year? Oh man, if we're going in forty four games. So forty four was his season total last year. He had seventy eight shots and fourteen points in forty four games last year. So he's up to the same total. Okay. How many shots did he have last year? 78. 78. He has 25. Not, not that bad. 66. Oh, okay. But that's like Ooh. a shot and a half per game. He's still winning face-offs, so good for him. That Great job, wow. Ryan. Great job. Let's finish off a couple of these other... Ooh, oh, that's a different... <laughs> Ooh, oh, oh. Oh boy! <laughs> so the top trade. You just saw on a here, ghost. <laughs> the top trade on here is Philadelphia Flyers acquire Justin Bailey from the Sabers, but I definitely read it as Josh Bailey, and I was like, "Whoa, buggy!" Uh, but that the floodgates have opened. <laughs> <laughs> so let's skip that one and talk about. So Anaheim also traded Luke Shen in a seventh round pick for Michael Delzato, which is like literally, "Hey, I have some crap." <laughs> Would you like to give me some crap? Yeah. Okay, we've exchanged crap. Yeah, Luke Shen in the AHL and Michael Delzato, who was scrapped the game before he was traded. <laughs> yeah. Like It's like, okay. Uh, uh, although Luke Shen says, I read somewhere today that he credits, uh, he's been playing a lot better, supposedly, and he uh-huh. credits Dallas Eakins uh, with the San Diego goals with rehabbing his game. A potential coaching candidate. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, the Lightning traded Slater Kekik to the Blackhawks. I believe Kekik is supposed to be that guy that's been like a good prospect for them for a long time on defense, mm-hmm. but has never cracked the lineup. But he is now 24, so it's hard to say he's like a Ooh. superstar prospect. He's like a Jordan Schmaltz. I believe our friend Tommy Hummel likes him a lot, though. And then uh, the Coyotes acquired Jordan Wheel from Philadelphia for Jacob Graves in a sixth. And then kind of the big trade of the day is that Nino Niederreiter, who has been a Minnesota wild death (laughs) since time immemorial, is now a Carolina hurricane in exchange for Victor 
Rask. What are your thoughts on your deeply beloved Nino Niederreiter being traded to the Hurricanes? I'll always remember someone telling me to my face that Nino Niederreiter was their favorite wild player and me thinking internally, what a fucking idiot. (laughs) 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 I mean, really. I mean, it's 22-year-old me, probably drunk off my ass or something, but I do remember somebody like, I think my favorite wild player is Nino Niederreiter, and I was like, what a dumbass. Um, He had two really good seasons, actually, up in the wild. He was a very, I didn't know that at the time, but it was actually a pretty serviceable player for them. I don't think he's ever gotten back to, you know, I, I don't know. Nino Niederreiter. Would can you, you say type, he's a good player? Can you type into his crazy ass name into your Google machine and tell me how many points he's I'm gotten? That's a high. That's how you phrased it because no, but I'm <laughs> on it. I got close. I did it right. There you go. No one can spell Nino Niederreiter, and if you do it right, nine goals and fourteen assists for twenty three points and a minus eleven in forty six games this season. What's his career high? Four goals or points. Uh, points. He had a 57-point season in 16-17. He had a 40... That was the year we beat them in the playoffs. He had a 43 (laughs) season before that, 37 before that, and 36 before that. Oh, wow. So he's gotten better. He's having kind of a crappy season this year. I think he's... He was an Islander player before that? Yeah, I remember the trade. He hasn't actually been there as long as I thought. I know, right? If you'd you'd asked me how long he'd been there, I would have said, like, 2008. When did he get... When was his... The trade year, at least. 13-14 was his first season with the Royal. Okay, well, I was wrong. I would have been, you know, 23-24 when that happened. How how time passes. your favorite player? Cal Clutterbuck and a... Third round pick in exchange for Nino Nito. Oh, weird. That's how long Cal. That's how long Cal Clutterbuck's been gone from the Wild. Yeah. Wow. Time's funny. You learn things, man. I think Nino Niederreiter's the better player between him and Victor Rask. I think he's probably got the better rebound Rask potential. Is a little younger. And I think Rask costs less as well. Yeah. And he's the center. He's the center that. Rask has six points in 26 games this season and a career high of 48 and 45 in 15, 16, and 16, 17, respectively. Is he listed as a center? What's he What's he shoot? He is a left-handed shot center, yes. Okay. I know they were thinking about if the Wild were going to, I don't know if they're going to trade Stahl at the deadline or they just know they're not going to bring Stahl back next year. Basically, they're trying to fill their center role spot. But I think Charlie Coyle for them is supposed to be playing center now too. So I don't know where they're placing all of these people, but it's happening. Um, good for... So keep going. Good for Carolina. Who's their... I always think Dundon's their GM, but it's uh, not. Don Waddell. Good job for Waddell. The Dell man. I think they got a <laughs> the good... Dell man coming. A guy that could be a top six forward for them. And it sounds like um, someone someone reputable on Twitter was reporting that they think that Carolina is in the market for, for sure another top six forward with a defender in play, they said. Ooh, fun stuff. Because you can buy defense. You can also sell it, they said. And that's what they're doing. They're going to sell defense because you can buy it. You see what they're doing? They're getting rid of it, but but they're not going to buy it. It's very confusing. <laughs> I still think they're the most logical trade partner for Tarasenko. I don't think at this point we trade Tarasenko, but I still think they make the most sense. Blow my pants off, Don. Let's do it. Show me what you got. <laughs> Show me what you got. 
Here's, let's wrap a bow on all this conversation by talking about these two contracts. Because it ties into something we were saying earlier. Victor Rask, counting this year, Mm -hmm. is on a four-year contract at $4 million per season. So if you're a Blues fan, ask yourself what you'd rather have. Victor Rask at 4x4 or David Perron at (laughs) 4x4? Nino Niederreiter starting this season, is on a four-year contract at f- 5.8, 5.25 per season. So ask yourself as a Blues fan <laughs> what you'd rather have. Nino Niederreiter at 4.4 by 5.25 or David Perron at 4.4? I just think that, I mean... I'm yeah. not. We don't really need to pump Perron's tires right now, but I just think those. That's a great comparison that came up naturally, of like. You're just better off. He's yeah. just a better player than either of those guys right now. And hot as hell. Yeah, absolutely. In more than one. I was way. like, and we ain't <laughs> just talking about the play, folks. Uh, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about in this crazy, messed up hockey league of ours? Um, we play. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes in yes, Ottawa yes. on Saturday, correct? Yeah. Uh, at home, I believe. At home. Ottawa. Oh, then it's on the road in L.A. and then Anaheim. Mm-hmm. L.A. is on Martin Luther King Day. It's a 3 o'clock central time in the afternoon start. Fantastic. Blitz, baby. I know, by L.A. So, look, Ottawa, so not, wait, not a great... Uh, so, t- that's like a one for them. That's like a noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's noon for them. A one. That's two-hour difference. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm well, not very smart. I was thinking, I always think East Coast. When you said nooner, I was like, what is he even talking? I didn't. I, I meant having sex in the afternoon. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't putting noon in there. I didn't know what you were saying. Ottawa, bad team. LA, garbage team. Anaheim, just won their first game after a 12, 13 game losing streak. The Blues, on their 500 pace, whatever you want to call it now, their better pace, I'll admit, they look better than they used to look, which shouldn't be that hard, but great. Should go 3-0. and Really? Make a statement. Make a statement at the end of this, the end of, before this all-star break, this, like, I think it's, like, I don't know, 12 days or something? Something yeah, ridiculous. So Double-digit days off. Make a statement. It's not even really that strong a statement. They're crap teams. But, like, make a statement. You should go 3-0. and our games in hand have pretty much disappeared. I mean, we've won some of them, but I mean, we don't really have those anymore. We're like one game behind people, maybe two at this point. It's not that big. One behind the wild. Yeah, it's not like that big four or five game gap anymore. You got to start closing distance because when you get back from the All Star break, it's like all hands on deck. It's like no, no more fucking around. Let's let's take a preview. We get back on the first. At Columbus, at Florida, at Tampa Bay. We haven't played Tampa Bay yet. Yeah. So that's two losses. And I mentioned this. After that Columbus game, with two days off, after that, no more than one day off between games. Every other day is a game. At Tampa Bay, we come home, home and away against Nashville. Those are our first five games. Fun. You've got, let's the rest of that <coughs> season, you've got a back-to-back at Colorado, at Minnesota, You've got hosting Toronto. Uh, you've got a back-to-back home versus Boston at Minnesota. And you close with Nashville. This season is still going to be relentless. And I 
I don't want to be the downer. I really still don't think they have it in them for a playoff run. If they go 3-0 against these teams, I'll believe a little bit. I'll be positive. Because you, you have to. That's what decent... Not even great teams. Good teams make a statement and win those games. Mm-hmm. If they don't, phone it in, man. If they go even even 2-1, and one, but if they somehow go like 1-1-1, one, 1-2 one and one, one and against these teams... I'm calling it. Again, yeah. The Wild right now are, are the last Wild Card team, right? Uh-huh. They're at 87 point pace for the Wild Card spot. So you either get 87 points or better. The Blues in their last games have to go 21 and 15 or better to get over that 87, 87 point hump. And like you mentioned last time, teams are going to be playing harder than ever to get in the playoffs. That's bound to go up. That 87 points is like a bare minimum. And the Blues gotta go twenty-one and fifteen. Is it doable? Sure. It looks a lot more doable than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's rough. They got. That's the thing. You can't just be good. You can't. Well, I'd say you have to be good. You can't just be okay. You can't be five hundred anymore. We were barely five hundred before. You've literally achieved five hundred, and you cannot be that anymore. You've gotten a Super Saiyan one. Cell shown up. You can't be Super Saiyan one anymore. Do you get it? Do you get it? You gotta charge up for at least five minutes. You're never, you're never gonna beat Lieutenant Surge's Raichu with a Pikachu. You yeah. gotta talk to him about the Thunderstone. Yeah, you gotta get the Thunderstone, and that ain't five hundred hockey. <laughs> The Thunderstone ain't 500 hockey. Mm -hmm. Ian, let's close with a question. Would you say (laughs) that this team's life is a lie and they're not who you're looking at? (laughs) I think so. Would you say that the team you see is not the same person as me? Anyway, that's, that's just true. That's a little foreshadowing of our outro music today, brought to us by Tiny Rick Sanchez. Folks, we've gone under an hour, although when we insert that song and the other quip we're inserting, we won't have, but I'm <laughs> going to call it a victory anyway. Uh, we will be back next Friday, I believe. I'm gone on Thursday. I have I a like, thing, I like, you tell me. We'll talk about it on the next episode. Until then, let's get these three wins, baby. I'm going to be positive. Let's do it. Now mm-hmm. let's end with a very depressing song. <laughs> Good night. Stay frosty. Alright everybody, this next one's coming straight from the heart Making the lyrics up right off the top of my head Let me out, what you see is not the same Person as me, my life's a lie I'm not who you're looking at Let me out, set me free I'm really old, this isn't me My real body's slowly dying